sound familiar? If your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash, then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh, it was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. So you're about to have a baby. Congratulations! Whether you are a first-time mom or this is your second or third time around, what happens during those first 24 hours after your baby is born can make an impact on your breastfeeding relationship. What can you do during those first 24 hours to maximize your success? Today we launch the first episode in our brand new series, The New Breastfeeding Mom Manual. Our episode today focuses on the first 24 hours and I'm thrilled to welcome back one of our experts, Veronica Tingzon, an international board certified lactation consultant and owner of the Original Comfort Food in San Diego, California. Breast milk, it does a baby good. Silly daddy, boobs are for babies. I make milk, what's your superpower? If my breastfeeding offends you, put a blanket over your head. Dairy diva, don't be lactose intolerant. Nursing nature's own breast enhancement. Meals on heels. Whoever said there's no use crying over spilled milk, never had to pump. Breast milk, all udders are inferior. Whatever your point of view, we're here to support your breastfeeding goals. We're the boob group, because mothers know breast. Welcome to The Boob Group, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. The Boob Group is your weekly online, on-the-go support group for all things related to breastfeeding. I'm your host, Robin Kaplan. I'm also an international board-certified lactation consultant and owner of the San Diego Breastfeeding Center. Thanks to all of our loyal listeners who have joined The Boob Group Club. Our members get all of our archived episodes, bonus content after each new show, plus special giveaways and discounts. Subscribe to our monthly newsletter for a chance to win a membership to our club each month. Another way for you to stay connected is by downloading our free app available in the Android and iTunes marketplaces. So we're joined today by two lovely panelists in the studio. Would you like to introduce yourselves, please? Hi, I'm Melanie. I'm uh, 34, and I've got two kids, um, two boys. One's five years old, and the other one uh, is going to be seven weeks old on Tuesday. Ah, fantastic. And Stephanie? Uh, I am Stephanie. I'm 36. I'm a very part-time teacher, and I have two boys, a two-year-old and a six-week-old. Awesome. Well, well. Welcome, ladies, to the show. It's so nice to have you. I also want to introduce the Boob Group's new producer. I'd like to introduce MJ. So, MJ, you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do for the show? Well, my name's MJ, and um, I have a son who is just turned two, um, my one and only. I am coordinating getting all you moms here today and, um, you know, just basically social media, um, chatting with everybody and trying to, to get everybody coordinated together so that we can have you all talk and come share. 
Absolutely. And so one of the things MJ is doing is she's going to be posting little bits, tidbits from our episode as we are recording. And so whenever we're doing our recording days, you can always check on our Facebook pages and Twitter and follow along with the conversation. So nice to have you, MJ. Thank you. Sounds familiar. If your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash, then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. It was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. So we're here with Isabel Lopez, the owner of Nurturel, and um, we're so excited to have you on the show, Isabel. So um, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for having me on the show. Sure. So can you tell us a little bit about your company? Um, when did you first start Nurturel, and what was the inspiration for creating it? Yeah, it all started back in 2010 with the birth of my first child. I had bought breastfeeding clothing available at that time, and I realized the clothing was not giving me the discretion I wanted when nursing in public places or in front of other people. I always had to hide myself uh, from uh, public places or, uh, or remain in private rooms, and the openings were too small and very difficult to access. They were also very evident that the tops were nursing tops and out of fashion. So having that experience and also my professional experience of 17 years in the textile sector, I decided to create my company and design my own breastfeeding clothing. I designed my nursing tops with the advice of my lactation consultant as well as the opinion of breastfeeding mothers so that I could uh, really capture the needs of real moms looking for comfortable, elegant, and stylish nursing tops. And this is how Nurturel started. And of course, my inspiration was uh, my first son, Oliver. That's so cool. So tell us about Nurturel's products. Yeah, Nurturel is a Canadian company. I'm also a designer of Nurturel clothing, and all the styles are designed here in Canada. Before designing every collection, I gather information on color and style, uh, everything that is trendy in the women's uh, fashion industry. Then, based on that information, I designed the nursing tops with accessible openings that provide uh, two basic things. One, it's an easy way for the baby to access the breast. And the second uh, one, it's a design that is also discreet for the mom. So another important factor here is the fabric. We use cotton and viscose. Both types of fabrics are very soft and also have between 5 and 10% of spandex as a component, and this will adjust to fit your body shape until you establish your pre-pregnancy weight. So because of the styles are very stretchy, they can also be worn during pregnancy. Oh, that's terrific. So um, I was looking on your website, and I saw that Nurturel um, has a passion for helping developing countries. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes, our garments are 100% manufactured in Peru. And through my company, we are creating a chain of support for women. And I tell you how. 
Our garment suppliers are small companies led by women entrepreneurs who are the only financial support to their families. We are very careful when we choose our suppliers, and the criteria is not only based in the quality side, but also we want to work with people that are helping other people, especially women. That's amazing. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it provides a whole other aspect of a company when you can hear the passion in the, in the owner's voice about what they're doing. You also sponsor some breastfeeding events as well, don't you? Yes. We uh, sponsor many events in Canada and the United States. Uh, the most important ones are the Big Latch On that is going to be on August 2nd and the Breastfeeding Challenge that will be on October 5th. If any of your listeners uh, is hosting a site for one of these events or any other breastfeeding event, please contact me through my website and we'll be more than happy to sponsor the event. We always want to support any type of activity just to help women to or encourage women to keep breastfeeding their babies. That's terrific. So, Isabel, where can our listeners find Nurturel products? Your listeners can find Nurturel products in more than 40 stores throughout Canada and the U.S. Also, the products can be found and purchased uh, 24-7 at our website. That's www.nurturel.com. And the spelling is uh, com. On our website, uh, you will see a detailed information of every product, also pictures of the openings, and video testimonials from moms that uh, have purchased our products. That's terrific. Well, and we also have two fun little events going on with you as well. We have, um, for our listeners, uh, Isabel has given us a promo code where you get 15, that's 1-5% off any of the products on the Nurturel website just using the promo code BOOBMEDIA, which is so apropos for us. So that's B-O-O-B-M-E-D-I-A, which you will also find this on our website as well. Um, and then she will also be hosting a giveaway running from the time this episode launches through July 31st, 2013. And this giveaway is for a $50 gift card to be used on a nursing top where you can choose your size and your color of your choice. So uh, go ahead and visit our website, theboobgroup.com, for more links to Nurturel and for um, the promo code as well as the giveaway. So thanks so much, Isabel. It was a pleasure having you on our show. Thank you very much, Robin, for having we me. We appreciate it. Yeah, we appreciate all the things your, your company's doing to really promote not only breastfeeding women, but women all over the world. So thank you so much. Today on The Boob Group, we're discussing breastfeeding in those first 24 hours. Such a critical, critical time with breastfeeding. So our expert, Veronica Tingzon, is an international board-certified lactation consultant and owner of the Original Comfort Food in San Diego, California. Thanks for joining us, Veronica, and welcome back to the show. Thank you, Robin, and thank you, everybody here at The Boob Group. I'm so happy to be back. Absolutely. I know. We've missed you. It's I know. It, it has. <laughs> so this is, we're really excited to launch this new series where we're going to be looking at the first 24 hours today and then moving on to the first week, first two weeks, first couple months. And so that way, moms who are dealing with all of this stuff right then, or if they want to preemptively listen to what they have to look forward to, um, it'll be broken down that way. So Veronica, just to get started, you know, a baby's birth story can definitely impact breastfeeding. And we actually have an entire episode uh, dedicated to this topic. So what can a mom do during labor to optimize her breastfeeding success in the first 24 hours? You know, this one is kind of um, 
what I call the first step to the rest of your lactating experience. <laughs> um, because all of the birth choices that we that we make happen to be impacting our, our lactation outcomes. Um, you know, I, I've had many discussions with anesthesiologists where they tell me, well, you know, an epidural doesn't do anything wrong, you know, and, and yeah, it may not hurt the baby per se, but it can make it so that it's a more difficult start um, to breastfeeding. Um, you know, fentanyl and statol are okay in the IV. Yeah, but again, it could make it more difficult. Um, you know, maybe natural birth is not for everyone. Maybe, um, you know, n- trying to avoid a C-section is not for everyone, granted. But what we do in that time frame when we are laboring does impact the breastfeeding story. So one of the things that I tell moms is just, you know, really get into that breathing, um, changing positions, don't be stationary, try to avoid being tied down to the bed, especially the IV. You know, if you can just get, you know, a saline lock or something so that you can have the port in you and not actually having the IV in you and you can walk around, use a birthing ball. If you have um, access to a birthing tub, if you have access to a warm shower, trying to avoid coming to the hospital too soon. Um, All of those things where you're working in that really good labor and really working your own hormones to make things happen for you is going to be what's best for you, not only during this birth process, but also later on during the breastfeeding process. Okay. And why is it so important uh, to breastfeed your baby during those first two hours after birth? What's what's going on with baby at this time? Babies are hardwired to to find the breast. Um, They like the contrast between the light and dark skin. That's why our areolas get darker. That's why we get the linea nigra up um, up the abdomen. So a baby who normally in olden days would have been delivered to the abdomen would actually crawl because they have the stepping reflex. They would crawl up the abdomen, find the breast, and just naturally latch on. So their um, primal instinct is to imprint to that breast. And and there's a, a hormonal and pheromonal receptors that a baby is just drenched in right after birth that allows them to do that. After those first two hours, those pheromones start to fade. They start to wane. And babies start getting tired. I mean, think about when you go out swimming in the ocean and you're being hit by wave after wave after wave and there's no bottom that you can rest at. And that's what birth is like to a baby. And so they come out and they're like, oh my God, I'm so tired. <laughs> and um, and they're exhausted. And finally, when they go to sleep and those, those hormonal instincts start to wear down, then when you try to put them to the breast, they're like, well, hello. <laughs> um, um, those those primal instincts um, start to wane, and then they're like, "I don't know what to do." And you get them to a breast, and it looks like you know they have no idea what to do with it. Okay, um, I love I love that metaphor that you used um, about the waves and everything like that too. Because also when you when you come out of the water too, you're in, you're 
um, what's the word I'm looking for? You're, you're so psyched. I mean, you're out, you did this huge thing. And so your endorphins are super high. And so, and then you crash. Absolutely. (laughs) It's like after running a marathon, you're like super psyched, you eat a huge meal and then you sleep for hours. And so, and then you're sore. And then you're sore. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So, so, um, so how important is skin to skin during the first 24 hours to really help bring in a milk supply? Skin to skin is, is, God, it's so integral. I just, I, I can't even tell you how important skin to skin is. I mean, let's, let's start with the physiological impact on the baby itself. When the baby is skin to skin, his temperature is maintained in the proper, you know, section of, of temperature ranges for, for that infant. Its heartbeat is maintained. Its breathing rate is maintained. Its circadian rhythm, the sleep cycle, is maintained. Their blood sugars are maintained, which is a very big thing because when their blood sugars go down, that's when a lot of untoward supplementing can happen. Um, So just in that physiological impact right there, that's really important. The other important thing is that the baby is right there smelling mama getting used to the scent of the cafe <laughs> and um and if 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 he's sitting there smelling it he's like oh gosh what's that waft i mean it smells like cinnabons let me go down and investigate and and i'm going to go have a little nibble of that you know and so so they go down there you know and he didn't even know he was hungry until he smelled that waft and then for mom that skin to skin, that pheromone exchange between her and her baby helps to produce more prolactin. It helps to release more oxytocin. And then that helps that milk supply just increase just without even the baby having to latch just by being there. And it's just such an incredible thing. I mean, we were designed this way. You know, you go back to the caveman era you know, moms didn't need swaddling blankets. They had themselves to keep their babies warm. They had themselves to nourish their babies. It was pretty darn awesome. Yeah. And they smell so good. I know. <laughs> <laughs> they smell so good. Um, so, ladies, did you breastfeed your baby in the first two hours? And if you did, were you surprised at how alert your little one was at that time? How about you, Melanie? Um, I did. Um, I wasn't surprised because this was my second one. My first baby just wide-eyed looking at me like, hi, I'm hungry. (laughs) And the second one, sort of the same. He was a little bit more tired, um, but he did latch on right away. And I delivered at Pomerado where one of their policies is it's skin to skin the first hour. They don't do any tests. You know, they don't wash them, nothing. It's just you and the baby. So it was really nice. It was a good experience to have there. That's fantastic. How about you, Stephanie? Uh, Yeah, definitely in the first two hours right away. but not surprised also because this is my second. Um, he actually was a little bit drowsier, and because of our birth story, had a little bit of some issues getting latched on the first time. Um, but we had some excellent help at Kaiser as well with that. Yeah, so. some two very baby-friendly hospitals yeah, very in San baby-friendly. Diego, yeah, which we is did awesome. skin to skin right away. And, and I love that he's singing back here, too. I know. <laughs> <laughs> What's his name again? This is Colin. This is Colin. Col- Colin's singing in our in our studio right now. So. <laughs> it's always fun to have a baby in the studio. So, um, Veronica, what if a mom is separated from her baby during those first twenty four hours and can't breastfeed? Um, obviously, that impact with without the skin to skin can be really hard. But also, how how else can she start to bring in her milk supply then? There's wonderful ways that she can start to bring in her milk supply. Um, You have them attached at the end of your arms. 
you can start by just doing some manual stimulation. Um, a lot of moms say, well, oh, the nurses didn't bring me the, the pump soon enough. Well, you could have started massaging or you can have started doing some hand expression. You yourself can, can, can take control of that particular situation. Um, you know, back in the day when there weren't pumps, your hands were your pumps if you had to express your own milk. Um, but you know, the studies have shown over and over again that the sooner that the pumping does start or the expression does start, um, the, the better the impact. So um, within three hours is what's optimal, no later than six hours. And it's really sad to say that I've, you know, seen moms in the hospitals. You know, I've, I've worked at several area hospitals here in San Diego County, and I'll walk into a room and the mom will say, um, I delivered yesterday and it's, I'll look at the clock, it's 12 hours later and she doesn't even have a pump in her room. And I'm just, oh, my heart just sinks. Having been a NICU mom myself, I it just my heart sinks because I remember the engorgement that late pumping or expression um, brings on. It's really uh, just my heart breaks for them. Absolutely. And we'll we'll include um, a link on our website page as well um, to a great hand expression video out of Stanford University. I love that one. Yeah, Jane Morton's. And um, all it does is take about five minutes to watch and you can become quite a pro at expressing your own milk. I have to say, I just saw a mama um, in the hospital just a, a few days ago who um, she had been checking her breasts every every month or every two weeks um, during her pregnancy and she had already started the milk going and her baby ended up in the NICU and by day two she was expressing like 30 milliliters oh. which is an <laughs> ounce 30 milliliters of breast milk for a first-time mom is un heard of but she was so proactive in the beginning that it was just like rivers of milk coming out it was so cool oh that's amazing um so tell us about this colostrum essentially that she was well she was probably already into transitional milk by then yes but what um what is colostrum why is it so important and you know what's in it Well, colostrum is what we refer to as, um, you know, liquid gold. It's, it's, it's kind of golden in color. It could also be kind of a little bit more clearish, uh, amber kind of color. Um, it's basically jam packed protein in somewhat liquid form. It's, it's kind of gooey and sticky and thick, um, kind of the consistency of maybe honey or molasses. So it doesn't flow very well. And a lot of moms who have to pump for a NICU baby say, oh, nothing's coming out. I don't have any milk. But it's harder to get it out via the pump than the baby can do it. So um, rest assured, if you do have to go down that road, um, it's in there. It just the pump doesn't get it out very well. I liken it to sucking yeah. maple syrup out of a straw. Exactly. <laughs> it's just so viscous. It's yeah. it's amazing. But um, a lot of moms, um, even if they're hand expressing and they see a glob of colostrum, they'll say, I have no milk. I have no milk. And I'm going, yes, it is. It's the first milk. It's wonderful. And if you think about like a, a protein bar, like, you know, something that's jam packed with protein, you can fill up quite well on a protein bar. Um, and then, you know, it sustains you for quite a little bit of time. But 
if that's all you were eating, you would have to eat it a, a lot, very frequently. And whereas, you know, the more mature milk has, you know, there's more volume of it. Um, so it's it's not a lot of volume, but it's so jam-packed with protein and so many antibodies. And, and it's pretty much all those wonderful white blood cells that are protecting your baby and giving your baby its first immunities. And it's just, like I said, it's liquid gold. It's so cool. <laughs> well, very cool. Well, when we come back, we will be discussing with Veronica and our panelists how to know if your baby is getting enough of that colostrum in the first 24 hours, as well as what to do if your nipples become sore even within those first 24 hours. So we'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. We are here with Veronica Tingzon, an international board certified lactation consultant and the owner of the original Comfort Food in San Diego, California. So Veronica, how often should a baby eat in those first 24 hours and how long do these feeding sessions take? Well, the verbiage that we use um, at the hospital that I work at is that a newborn baby can eat anywhere from eight to 20 times or more even, especially like in hotter days, um, in the first 24 hours. Now, the very, very first 24 hours are kind of their own little weird subset of hours because baby does not behave in any way that, that, that you would, that, yeah, that you would expect them to, you know, as they would maybe on day two, day three or day four. Um, so what they do is they do a lot of snacking and then a lot of long stretches of sleeping. Um, so they might bunch up or what we call cluster feed um, two, three, four times and then zonk out for a long time and then another two, three, four times and then zonk out. And if you take, you know, from the birth time that they're born at and when they when they feed to the birth time the next day in those 24 hours, how many times did your baby do those cluster feedings? you'd be surprised at how many they actually do. But because people are trying to wake them up every two to three hours and the baby's not ready at that time, it's like me telling you, hey, Robin, you have to eat right now. And you're like, hold on a second. I just ate an hour ago. I'm not hungry at this moment. I can't force you to eat if you're not hungry. I'll I'll eat when I actually have the appetite. Um, and, and as soon as moms start just kind of giving into that and letting their baby do their thing and not watching the clock and not watching every three hours go by and go, oh my God, he's not waking up, then they kind of do a little bit better. And, and it does add up. Melanie, you were shaking your head with that, or nodding your head when <laughs> she said eight to 20 times. Do you remember feeding very frequently? Oh, yeah, and I still do. <laughs> <laughs> That's one. Which thinking. is normal. It's normal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I remember hearing a study of somewhere in Africa, and they were, and it was a hospital in Africa, so we're, you know, a very similar situation, um, birthing practices in the United States. But the women, um, they didn't have little cubicles they put their babies in, they, they bed shared in the hospital. And the babies fed about 16 times in a 24-hour period in those first 24 hours. And um, and the mom's milk came in within um, within 36 hours. Her fuller milk, you know, yes. came in. So it already had mo- transitioned into, a, you know, that transitional milk where it starts to drip a little bit. And it was because baby had free access and they weren't, they pr- maybe didn't have clocks in their rooms or something where they were looking at it. But every time, the, and some of those were probably five minutes long, other mo- times maybe 20 minutes long, but they were just kind of bouncing them back and forth between the breast. And that stimulation really helped the supply come in much more quickly. Yeah. Many years ago, I was in Guatemala with, um, a, a missionary group with my my father and and whatnot, and we did some medical stuff. And there was a mother there who had just birthed a baby, and um, 
you know, the the midwife, or as they call it, the partera, was um, telling her just, you know, go ahead and feed the baby. But the grandmother of the baby was saying, no, 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 you don't want the baby to get used to the arms. And I said, listen to the partera. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and that mom was lactating probably within a little bit under two days also. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Um, so how important is for the baby to feed from both breasts during a feeding if we're kind of following baby's lead on how sleepy they are in the first 24 hours? You know, I always say offer. If the baby takes it, he takes it. If he doesn't, he doesn't. You know, it's kind of like, you know, when the guy comes by in the restaurant with the dessert tray mm-hmm. and says, do you want any? And you're like, no. Okay, you know, (laughs) and then sometimes you're like, no, I've had enough, you know, and that's kind of what the baby will do. He'll guide you and tell you I've had enough or, yeah, you know, a little dessert sounds like might be good. Yeah. And kind of uh, what I recommend too is also just having access to both breasts within, look at it over a 24 hour period. Are we having equal access here? And so that way, but maybe not looking at it. So, you know, each time. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, you, you want to, yeah, you want to alternate which one, you know, you offer each time, but you don't have to be so rigid about, okay, 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there, yeah. 15 here, 15 there. No, it just kind of like, you know, let the baby do something on the right this time around and maybe the next time they'll do something on the left you know okay and how will a mom know if her baby's getting enough colostrum in those first 24 hours and how much is actually normal for a baby to get per feeding you know a baby in the new new newborn phase shouldn't get more than about seven milliliters which is a teaspoon maybe um of of colostrum and so it, they're they're eating so frequently that but they've got little tiny little marble sized bellies so they're they're not eating a whole bunch at each feed it's just kind of like little nibbles here and there like i said it, they're power packed they're protein mm-hmm. packed so they're they're you know more packed for the punch um but a lot of moms say i don't think my baby's eating enough cuz they're crying they're hysterical they're this or that um one of the ways that we can tell that they've done well enough is looking at the baby's body cues, you know, they start out tight and throughout the feed, they become more limp and more relaxed and more flaccid. And then they look kind of like they're a little drunk mm-hmm. after the feed. And you, you remember those, yeah. Milk, milk drunk. <laughs> milk drunk, we mm-hmm. call it, yeah. Um, somebody else used to say um, milk faded. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, so they, they get that kind of drunk tone. And then the other thing is that if we um, write down or if you if you keep a log of the baby's pees and poops, you know, the baby only needs to have one pee and one poop in the first day of life. And in the second 24 hours, only two pees, two poops. And in the third 24 hours, only three pees and three. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, so it's like it's like per day of life, you're going to increase a pee and a poop. Um, once the full mature milk is in and flowing, they should have somewhere about six to eight peas a day and about three to four poops a day. Now, if they're really eating well, they're going to be pooping and peeing every single time time. that they eat. (laughs) It's like, how many diapers can I go through? (laughs) Oh, and then you change one and they poo more, you know? So, um, so really, honestly, I mean, tracking the peas and poops, looking at the baby's body and looking for those cues of the satiety and everything that's what's going to tell you that they're doing well crying crying just means i have a need that's it they're just talking to you yeah and uh, so ladies what did breastfeeding look like for you if if you can remember back to those first 24 hours stephanie how about you well like we mentioned before he latched on right away um still in that first 
hour. Um, and then we started to have some problems. Um, we discovered that my son had a tongue tie um, within the first 24 hours and had to have that dealt with. Um, and sort of my cues that I knew something was wrong was how much it was already hurting um, and the, the pain I was experiencing and um, just how difficult and how um, discontent he seemed at the breast, kind of what um, Veronica was saying. And um, so we got some help for that right away. Um, and then our other funny issue we had was that he wouldn't nurse in the the cradle position on my left side, so we had to come up with other ways to, <laughs> to make sure that breast was getting stimulated as well. And um, common, common, yeah, yeah, but yeah, but definitely wanted to eat. It felt like all the time. But then we also dealt with the issue that Veronica was mentioning, where he would want to sleep for a really long time, but. He was a really big baby, and they wanted to test his blood sugars all the time. And I felt like things were really disrupted and not necessarily the way we would have just naturally flowed with them. Okay. How about you, Melanie? Well, between the two experiences that I've had, my first son had a real difficult time latching on, so the first 24 hours was just painful. Um, With the second, I was so happy because my little boy was bigger than the first, and he managed to latch on real easily. And I thought, yay, we're not going to have problems. (laughs) We did have some later on when my milk finally came in, but... Um, you know, he did really well. He would eat every hour or so, and then he'd take long naps. And since he was at a fine weight, they weren't bugging me to feed him constantly and wake him up. So I just kind of let him guide the conversation between the two of us. <laughs> That's fantastic. I like the way you said that. That's awesome. Veronica, what are your top five tips for a bre- new breastfeeding mom to make breastfeeding comfortable in those first 24 hours for, bo- for both her and baby? Well, number one, I love to live on Pillow Island in those first 24 hours because moms will have, I, I, I just crack up where moms will have like a pillow and she'll squish it all the way down to her waist. And that's it. That's how she's going to hold her baby up. And how how much did your baby weigh at birth? Almost 10 pounds. Almost 10 pounds. So try to hold up. The size of a two-month-old. Exactly. The size of Try to hold up even an eight-pound baby for, let's say, 30 to 45 minutes, which is around the typical time frame that they will eat. for, and, And hold that baby up with the pillows down at your waist. Your boobs are not down at your waist. Your breasts are up here. Okay. And so you have to just build this pillow nest, this pillow island around you and have lots of support for, you know, floating elbows, floating babies. And and don't be afraid to build that nest up so that you can get your baby really, really, really close to you and, and tummy to tummy and chest to chest. So that's, that's, um, number one, first mm-hmm. and foremost. Um, number two, um, don't be afraid to be skin to skin all day, all night. I don't care how long it takes. You know, be skin to skin with your baby. You know, have your shirt off, have baby down to their diaper, and just go skin to skin. Put them in their what we call the niche, which is the the little area right in the cleavage, right between your breasts, where your baby just gets to snuggle up. And if you don't know how to do that, go to the zoo and look at a gorilla and mm-hmm. see how the gorillas do it because they they know They've what to do. It. They've really like they have no pretenses about <laughs> swaddling their babies or anything like that. Um, and then, really honestly, um, the the one that. Uh, you were telling me over here is that your baby doesn't open up his mouth very wide to eat. Um, and that's actually you driven. Um, and um, how to get the, the mouth open is just um, don't be trying to shove your nipple into your baby's mouth. Um, I always use the analogy of if the car um, goes into the garage before the garage door is all the way up, you're going to damage your 
car, mm-hmm. right? So it's the same thing with your nipples. If your nipples go into the <laughs> the mouth slash garage, it's going to damage your nipples. So you've got to wait till that garage is all the way open. So the baby's mouth has to be completely open and you've got to move swiftly and keenly to bring that baby into the breast before the garage door starts closing again. Um, so that's um, really important to me because with sore nipple comes the idea of I don't want to eat I don't want to feed that often sorry um because it hurts to feed um and uh let's see don't uh, have your baby in the box have your baby with you all the time um swaddling depresses the um desire to eat so um once again being skin to skin not swaddling them having them right there with you um at all times is really gonna have them um open up and want to be there and like I said they start smelling the Cinnabons they want to eat them you know (laughs) that's terrific um ladies what Stephanie you kind of already talked about some breastfeeding challenges that you had in the first 24 hours so definitely nipple pain (laughs) (laughs) and um and you said your son had a tongue tie as well which is actually it's quite um rare to have it caught so soon so we had experience with my older son yeah so So you were you were ready (laughs) to look into it um any other challenges that um, that you had in those first 24 hours? Um, one of my challenges was actually more related to the hospital um, and Kaiser is a very baby friendly hospital but they had a very busy um, postpartum department while I was mm-hmm. there and getting the help that we needed and so delaying feedings because I was trying to get a nurse to come and help me figure out what was going on and like I said I think it just disrupted the flow of what naturally should have been going on um, and like I said just the funny not latching you know, refusing to lay a certain way and you know, needing to get some help with that. And, yeah. Um, yeah. How about you, Melanie? You know, other than the soreness, the normal overuse soreness, um, you know, the interruptions, obviously, in a hospital, you have people coming in and checking on you constantly. So um, never knowing who's going to walk in the door. They ended up changing a light in my room, and they're like, is it okay if a man comes in here? I'm like, if he's okay with me nursing, I really don't. But I know for some people that might be a big issue. Yeah, you know, you don't absolutely. want some stranger walking in your room while you're trying to feed your child, and you're trying to balance the baby and absolutely um and one thing i wanted to mention too is stephanie mentioning um favoring one side over the other um we definitely see this a lot i'm sure you do veronica too kind of depending on the way the baby was sitting in utero sometimes they have a little crick in their neck and so if you think about you know when you're driving a car and it hurts to turn left and so every time you try to look out your mirror you have to turn your entire body to turn around but then when you turn the other way you have free range of motion and so sometimes um that just needs to kind of work itself out or have a little body work if so if you and also becoming creative with the positions like Stephanie was talking about so you know where if your baby feels comfortable in a cradle hold on one side just kind of shifting it into like a football hold on the other so they're always facing the same direction until that little kink in the neck can kind of work itself out did you find that that was helpful definitely that's the position we ended up doing Um, (laughs) and the other thing I would add that um, I wish I had known the first time in the first 24 hours was asking for help and that it's okay to admit that you're having a hard time and that there are people there to help you and, and to seek out that help. So. I totally buzzed the nurses every time I was going to latch my son. And they would come in and they're like, are you serious? And But my first son, was it was so painful in the hospital as well. And so I'm like, well, if I'm going to do this, I would like to have someone take a look at it and just maybe possibly make it more comfortable so I will continue to do this. And so, yeah, my husband's like, we totally like, <laughs> it was worth our money. Like, I mean, 
mean, we made sure that we got every <laughs> everything we needed by the time we left. Cause it's like every amenity that you could get in a hotel. It's like in the, in the hospital is the same way. So. Well, I would even say even if it seems like everything's going okay, because the, until your milk comes in, there are some things that you might not even no, so maybe have somebody look at it just to make sure. Absolutely, know. absolutely. All right, well, thank you so much, Veronica, and our panelists for sharing this incredibly valuable information about breastfeeding in the first 24 hours. And for our Boob Group Club members, our conversation will continue after the end of the show as Veronica will discuss how delaying baby's first bath can also help with breastfeeding. For more information about our Boob Group Club, please visit our website at theboobgroup.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so we are reviewing a brand new app, and this app is called New Nest, and so it's N U U. N-E-S-T. And so just a little brief synopsis of this app is that um, not only does it have information about tracking, for example, that a lot of these apps have which about breastfeeding and diaper count and weight and all that kind of stuff, um, but it goes even a little bit beyond that because the creators are actually registered nurses and international board certified lactation consultants. And so some of the things that they've included in here, they are about, um, for example, the importance of breast milk, its effects on mother's health, um, as well as, I love this section. I know I'm not, I'm supposed to share what I love about it later, but um, it has an all about mom section. So for example, different things about nutrition while you're breastfeeding. Um, what is normal for breast tenderness, nipple tenderness, and then when maybe you should seek a lactation consultant. Um, it also goes into other things about after having a baby, for example, what's normal blood flow after you've had your baby, and what are some signs that maybe you should call your midwife or your OB. Um, it talks about swollen feet, which I'm sure everyone remembers those swollen feet after your kiddos have been born. Um, exercise, fatigue. So it really um, has a lot. It's almost like a website in an app. So I know that the ladies in the studio actually haven't been able to look at this app yet. So we were just going to kind of ask you all, is this something that you thought maybe you would use? Um, Melanie, how about you? Definitely. I, I wish I had an iPhone so I could uh, <laughs> try the app out. It definitely would have helped in the beginning to be able to count when I'm nursing, when we're changing diapers, because there you go through, through so many and you're so tired, you don't remember, did exactly. I feed on the left, on the right, well, what's happening? Exactly. How about you, Stephanie? Yeah, I think I, I had an app that I was using, but I love that that has so much more to it than just the counts, the um, the, the resources that are available in terms of what's normal, because we did have some issues, and so it would have been nice to be able to have that right at my fingertips. Yeah, absolutely. How about you, MJ? I know you looked at it. Yeah, I, I loved, um, we did a lot of um, milk Donating, so I liked the uh, or not donating, but I was a recipient. Um, so I liked the area of um, giving information about breast milk and then about the milk banks, which is really cool. Um, it's you know we did actually milk sharing and not milk banks, but um, it's nice that the information's out there for everyone. Absolutely. We also are having a couple bloggers review this app as well, and so this is what they had to say. Hey, mamas, this is Anna from Indianapolis. I just tried out the new Nest app. Um, this is a great app for breastfeeding mamas who, or bottle feeding mamas who are looking 
um, for ways to keep track of their lives. Um, I think this is a great app if you're looking for an app to track with the last slide you've got on, um, the last diaper change, um, the last nap, anything like that. So I highly recommend it. Um, but don't forget, anytime you're questioning anything about your baby, you should just trust your mama gut. Talk to you later. Bye. Hey, everyone. This is Jessica from Oklahoma, and I just had a chance to review the New Nest app. Uh, I love that this app was created by registered nurses and board-certified lactation consultants. To me, that means that there is a lot of thought put behind the information in this app, and it's something you can really rely on. And, and as a new mom, I really do appreciate that. One of the things that I forget to do sometimes with my baby is give my baby vitamin D, and they even have a section for vitamin D. And, and when was the last time that you gave your baby vitamin D? I thought this was great. They also have a great section for expressing your breast milk. It has a timer in it, things that I would use on a daily basis. Also, for bottle feeding, um, you can track how much breast milk you gave as well as formula. And I think that that's really important, too, because even as breastfeeding moms that are really passionate about it, sometimes we have to supplement. And I'm really glad that the creators of this app recognized that and appreciated that. So I highly recommend this app for other new mommies out there. Thanks so much. If you are interested in downloading this app, you would go to iTunes, and it is called New Nest, N-U-U. N-E-S-T. And while you're there, don't forget to download our free boob group app in either the iTunes Marketplace as well as Amazon's Marketplace. So we'll be reviewing this and giving it our thumbs up. That wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to The Boob Group. Don't forget to check out our sister show, Preggy Pals, for expecting parents, and our show Parent Savers for moms and dads with newborns, infants, and toddlers. Coming up next week, we have Catherine Watson-Jenna discussing reflux and GERD in the breastfed baby. Thanks for listening to The Boob Group, your judgment-free breastfeeding resource. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.